to see people who come, they're quite a bit reserved at the start, but like halfway through the meal, they're super engaged, asking questions about the farm. It's that connection that you get and seeing the happiness that people have, it's, it's pretty cool. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Sustainability, provenance, working with the seasons, respecting the whole animal and using every part. It's become a real focal point for the industry as it looks to move forward, not only provide amazing dining experiences, but ensure longevity of the planet too. Dylan Cashman is a chef and owner of The Blue Door in Surrey Hills, Sydney. Dylan, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? How about yourself? I'm good. It's good to have you on the show. You've uh, opened a restaurant during the the pandemic in a real hot spot in the country, Surrey Hills. Uh, what's it been like opening during this period of time? Uh, it's, it was actually quite good, um, surprisingly. I think the like the middle lockdown last year actually uh, probably saved us a bit because we had a different site in mind. And once we are uh, that pandemic hit, we actually it fell through and uh, we ended up moving up the road to a new a new one and it's it's been a blessing. Well, it's, you've uh, opened the Blue Door before in another part of Australia. Tell, tell us a bit about the history and connection to this. Uh, so, yeah, we opened about six years ago on the Gold Coast uh, and it was a similar concept in the sense of, like, we knew every farmer that we worked with, uh, we had like all of our suppliers like just written on the wall, basically. Um, tried to change the menu as much as possible, uh, but it was a bit different. Uh, obviously, being the Gold Coast, it's a, a bit of a harder market for that style of food as well. Um, and now, since we've come to Sydney, we've uh, changed it up a bit to be tasting menu only because it allows us to be a bit more focused on on the supplies that we're using. What brought you to Sydney? Um, well, we uh, I had a massive like issue with our landlord on the Gold Coast, uh, and they started construction on a property next door, and like our restaurant all cracked and started to fall apart, and uh, they were they were refusing to do any like any sort of uh, f- fix on it unless we signed a new lease. So we decided to um, let let the restaurant go, and uh, in the meantime, I ended up over and. Germany and London, uh, and when COVID was happening, I came back and Sydney was sort of a more natural spot, I guess, with the beaches and whatnot that we have in Sydney. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's sort of how, how it all ended up, being in Sydney. Well, I want to explore what you're doing and that real connection that you're fostering with, with farmers and using the whole beast. Um Take us back to when you were young. What was what sort of role did food play in your family? Um, it was always, I guess, uh, it was always a fun, fun part. I used to love coming home and trying to guess what was for dinner by, by what we smelt when I walked through the door. Um, but my mum never was, like, I wouldn't say I had, like, one of those golden food childhoods of sitting under the table while they're making pasta or anything like that. It was um, very much just, like, picnics at the beach. And that that style, uh, but I was always fascinated with food. We used to uh, go to the beach and get pippies. And uh, my godfather actually was a chef in New Zealand, and he here uh, 
remember eating pippy omelets and stuff when we were like 10 years old. So it's still a pretty good, pretty good memory for me. Uh, and yeah, we always try to try to cook things uh, at the restaurant that like, uh, actually remind us of our different like food journeys. So it's, yeah, I think that's what uh, plays a big role for me. What lured you to the industry? Do you remember that first sort of couple of years as an apprentice? Apprentice? Um, yeah, I I remember I actually went to university uh, when I first left high school uh, and did a degree in human movement science and then was a bit disheartened with the whole thing when we left, finished uni, and uh, I, I was working in pubs the whole time and a mate of mine was like, oh, why don't you come do an apprenticeship up in Bangalore? And I, I remember going up and doing a trial shift and just driving home, just being like, oh, yes, this is so good. Like, I was just, like, frothing out on how much fun it was. Um, and it turned out, like, yeah, that was a, a pretty uh, pretty important day. And it was a great job, my first ever first ever uh, job as an apprentice up there in Bangalore. Uh, my boss was great. He always encouraged you to, to um, just to keep moving. In the industry, he reckons you should never work anywhere more than six months while you're young, so you can keep um, keep learning from new people. Take us back to that time at um, Bangalore Dining Rooms. Do you have any stories of that time and and what you took from that kitchen? Um, I think yeah, the biggest one there was like really being organised. I think uh, we used to do we used to do about three hundred people for lunch with just three chefs. So it was pretty crazy, crazy times, uh, especially as like a young apprentice. You'd never, never worked in a kitchen really before. Um, but yeah, and pretty much just like Adam, Adam's philosophy on learning where he told me like, yeah, to, to continue to move and continue to learn until you find really what it is that makes you passionate about, about the job. Mm. And um, yeah, he was, he was pretty important in that sense. Take us on a bit of a journey. What were the real key moments as you explored different venues um, that influenced and shaped you as a chef? Um, I think I still remember about maybe like six months after I started at Finn's, I stuffed up uh, cooking a piece of fish and, and Snowy said to me, uh, it's really, it really stuck with me. Like I buy, I buy you the best, best ingredients. All you have to do is cook it. So you, you really made an effort to stuff it up. Um, and I think that, that that's always sort of stayed in my head that uh, if you buy the best stuff, all you have to do is just cook it pretty much. So um, it's always been the goal with, with our restaurant. You've worked in kitchens such as Sean's Panorama and Cottage Point Inn. Um, what, what sort of impact did those kitchens have on you? Um, oh, Sean's was, uh, you don't realise it at the time, I don't think, uh, until you move on. But he played a big role in the whole concept of provenance, like everything he was using at the time was all, all from, uh, all Australian, like any, I remember having asparagus and we worked it out. It was like $5 a spear at the time. And he was like, Oh, well, who cares? We'll just charge 45 bucks. I, I, I want to use it. And I was like, Oh, I love that. Like it, it's awesome. We're going to use it and people, will, people will just pay for it. And I, was, I thought that was um, actually quite a cool, cool thing to see someone just buy the best, just wanted the best ingredients, didn't really care. And new people, new people also wanted it. I think it's like, it's nice to know that people do care what they're eating. 
yeah, in Cottage Point Inn, it was quite similar. I think it taught me a lot of what not to do as a as a business owner because at the time it was, um, yeah, the whole kitchen ended up leaving at the same time um, through uh, one way or another because it was a bit of a dodgy situation. And, um, and I think that's always always something that stuck with me to be really open and honest with people about what's going on. Yeah. You spent quite a bit of time in Europe. Do you have any stories of the experiences you had over there and the impact it had on you? Uh, I think, yeah, the last trip uh, when I was working at um, a three-star place called Vendome in Germany, it just, I think it was pretty eye-opening to see just what not to do really. Like you'd spend, you'd waste so much food and, and spend like, you know, three days trying to make a tomato taste like a tomato when it was so out of season um, that it was just ridiculous. And you're like, why don't we just not use tomatoes? Why don't we get something like it's like it's in season? I was like, you're meant to be one of the best chefs in the world. Surely you can come up with something. Um, and and so I think that, that like really stuck with me, just the, the sheer amount of waste. Like we had a this cucumber dish that – it used all of the cucumber, but you actually had to use 10 kilos of each one and throw it the other part away, but then you used the other to get it, if that makes sense. So it was just like astronomical, the amount of waste. You're involved with the opening of the Brixton Laundry in London as well. How different was that compared to other kitchens you'd worked in? Um, that was, It was pretty interesting, um, uh, the laundry, because... It was like we had like multi-levels. Um, Brixton is such a hard place to get like quality chefs as well in London. Um, and so we were doing like breakfast, lunch and dinner seven days a week. Uh, super different concept for me. Um, but it was really cool because we got to work work with some amazing suppliers. Like we were, I got to go down to Cornwall and um, meet Matt Chatfield down there who's um, – running the Cornwall project and doing a thing called like cow yours, which is uh, old, like eight to 10 year old sheep, which it was like this phenomenal, um, phenomenal uh, product to use. Probably some of the best meat I've ever eaten in my life. Um, and then we had some really cool other suppliers. And so like Mel was pretty good with letting me do whatever I wanted as far as that went. But then it, uh, they've gone a bit of a different route now, but it was a, a pretty eye-opening experience to be, you know, in London doing running somewhere, like not knowing, not knowing anyone. Uh, it, it's it's a good challenge trying to get that off the ground. When did you start to uh, realise a greater connection with producers and decide that that was the path that you wanted to go down as a chef? Um, I think when I first came back to to Australia like the f- after living in Germany the first time and I was back working up in the Northern Rivers and like you drive past all these farms to go to the restaurant and we weren't buying anything from them and then I sort of stopped one day and asked like where's all this going and they're like oh a lot of it goes to Coles blah 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 but then I was like can you just bring it to our restaurant and I'm like sure and so we um yeah, when I took took over at Finns, we actually did like a pop-up thing called The Local. So everything that was on that menu was, yeah, from the farms in the area. So that was pretty cool. And then I think it's just sort of snowballed 
since because it's it just tastes so much better. Do you have any producers that you can tell us about um, that uh, you formed connections with for that pop up while you're at Finn? Um, there was like the Palmers up there. They're um, they're a family and they've got a, like a banana farm up in in the mountains there. And uh, we also had Buck's farm. He's he's great. He does so much. Um, he's um, does all the finger limes and everything there out in um, just like a bit west of that area out near Mullum. And and yeah, he he's amazing. We still talk to him a lot uh, down here. We're just trying to. He, he got really hit badly with COVID. Um, up there, they, so they're just trying to get get back up, back up and running uh, at the moment. Because yeah, everybody all around him sold all their farms and everything. He's pretty much the last guy left up there now. When did the uh, idea of the blue dots first sort of appear, and and how did you um, get the wheels in motion to open your first restaurant? Um, I just was. I had been like obviously working up the coast, and it just got a bit to that point where. I think every every chef sort of gets like that where they think they can do it better um, and and you just – I just couldn't really see myself staying in the industry and working for somebody much longer uh, because it was just sort of going against what I be- sort of believed was the, the right way to go forward. Um, and so uh, my first ever boss, uh, me and him were sort of looking for somewhere – to do something, um, and then I found found another a venue up on the Gold Coast, and we sort of looked at it. He said it was looked pretty good, um, but he wasn't in a position to actually do anything with me. And um, but I just so I just did it myself. Uh, my dad lent me some money, and and that was it, really. And then uh, that's how we came up with. The blue door because it was just a uh, we couldn't find I could never think of a name because uh, I was like I'm just like the most generic like we have no like family history of anything like uh, or anything like that and there was a blue door on it and it was on Fifth Avenue so we literally called it the blue door on Fifth um, <laughs> and then yeah and then my partner loves like loved the name so we uh, just kept it and we. Uh, put a blue door on down here and called it the blue door. Take us back to the original restaurant. You said it was a bit different to what you're doing now in a way, but um, can you give us a sort of an idea of the sort of food you were cooking and the, and the connections that you were making with the local producers there? Uh, yeah. It, so it was, uh, when I say a bit different, it was like we, obviously we did a la carte up there, which um, is always, like a different challenge, I guess, to tasting menu. Uh, but we're cooking, I guess, like modern Australian uh, with a soup just, yeah, really focused on on using only local stuff. So, like, uh, for example, like we were only using um, beef from, like, the Northern Rivers area, like everything. Uh, all of our produce was, for that was coming through uh, – like the abattoirs in Casino, that was sort of like a, a prerequisite for us. Um, and then all the seafood, which was – it was quite good. Like you form those connections from fins, I guess. Um, like we'd get messages off the fishermen before they like 
had even gone to the market. So it was it was pretty uh pretty fun. I used to always joke that like we'd sold the fish before the guys in Sydney had put it on their Instagram. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was a cool little venue. Uh, I think it taught it was a sort of a good uh like stepping stone in a way to uh actually to what we're doing now because it was like a good way to learn basically the ropes and what it takes to run a business is there a dish or two from that period of time that you can tell us about that sort of epitomizes what you were doing on the gold coast um i guess maybe we we did like our fish dish or i guess actually probably the brussels sprouts dish actually was the one that like we were most known for, which it was quite surprising because I didn't think that that, w- <laughs> that would happen. But the Brussels sprouts seemed to blow people's minds um, that they they were tasty. And we just did them like they just cooked um, three different ways. So we'd like peel them all down and cook the hearts in um, caramelised yogurt and then blanch like the middle leaves with lemon myrtle and and then fry the rest and had like it had pickled chili and uh and tahini and stuff and people yeah it really was um even i went and like helped open a restaurant in brisbane and the people coming were like no no do the brussels sprouts do the brussels sprouts and i was like it's not my restaurant i can't do, can't just do what we want but yeah it was um yeah that that's probably the dish that i guess all the uh one of the desserts that we did we did like a smoke a smoked vanilla pavlova dish, and that was uh, with yuzu from Buck's Farm, and I think that was probably the the, the probably the two mainstays of that that restaurant. I think that uh, we haven't actually revisited it um, since we've opened down here, but I'm sure we will one day. With that uh, focus that you have on local producers, what's it been like fostering those relationships uh, in while you've been in Sydney and connecting to the growers within the Sydney Bowl? Uh, it's actually probably one of the blessings of COVID uh, was that we we had nothing but time essentially. So so we uh, it's been really fun. Like we work with uh, a couple of guys like quite close to Sydney, so. Up in the Blue Mountains, we have uh, Aaron at Bilpin, and he supplies us with most of our fruit and veg. And so we go up there um, a fair bit and, and see him. And then um, we've, it's been really fun to go out to go out to uh, Gundui Beef out near Mudgy, and um, we found an awesome chicken supplier by visiting a pork. Our pool uh, supplier, Andrew, up at Near River, he's like, are you going down the road to see Sasha? I'm like, who's Sasha? Um, <laughs> and then turned out he's got amazing chickens. So now we're, uh, we are we get them all all through the one sort of route as well. So it's good. It's It's been really, it's been really great. And they've all been, they're all very supportive of what we're doing as well. So it's, um, it's making it easy. I think it's, it's, it's a pain at the moment because no one's got, a lot of stuff, uh, but that's part of the game. Have these uh, connections uh, changed the way you cook at all? Oh, yeah. It's very much uh, like we we basically wait until this, today, uh, like Mondays, and I'll work out the menu for this week, um, like today, basically, because everyone sends through what they have on a Sunday. 
And so uh, Sunday's a bit of a busy day off because you make a f- all the phone calls and try to work out where we stand um, as far as like fruit and veg- vegetables go. And then we're sort of trying to work – we try to work ahead like with the meats because we only buy whole animals. So when we uh, – and everyone kills at different times and whatnot. So you sort of – it takes about six weeks to get through like half a half a cow. So And they only, only slaughter the cows like once a month. So you sort of have to be planning ahead a bit as to what cuts of meat you're going to have with that. But then we just go backwards basically and cook what, what's in front of us. What sort of pressures does that sort of weekly changing menu um, put on you with the um, relying on different produce like that? Uh, there's, I think uh, Monday and Tuesday nights are always a bit bit sleepless because you're uh, waiting for things to things to arrive on Wednesday, and we open at five thirty. So um, it, it's it's almost worse for my partner who does the wine pairing because. She then has to pull something out, depending on depending on what I've decided on. Um, but yeah, it's I, I guess every week is just it's a bit stressful to be like, is this good? Is this keeping the standard of what we want to do? Um, but at the same time, I think it makes it it's just a good. It, it keeps you interested as well, and, and keeps everyone on their toes and learning and not not taking shortcuts. So. Um, it's a good pressure to have. What surprised you about running your own business as opposed to running the kitchen of someone else's? Uh, well, the sheer amount of uh, overheads and stuff that you, you really don't see. I guess when you're, when you're just concerned with looking after how much the food, food expenditure is, like the fact that, you know, that half a percent increase in superannuation that the government has in bought in, you, you get like, oh, wow, everyone's wages have gone up, like, that much more. From that, like, the council rates, how much things break that you have to have to get fixed, um, all the insurance that you need to have, like, even little things like the fact that you have to have security footage for your liquor licence, um, things like that um, that just really add up add up especially to your week where you just like oh my god I've got so much to do and still have to produce a menu it's um but yeah it's I think it's 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 all a bit easier now <laughs> now that it's my second time around what's the response been like to the product that you're offering in uh, Surrey Hills which is a renowned restaurant suburb in Sydney oh it's been it's been so overwhelmingly positive for us um I really couldn't have asked for it to be received any better than it has. Like we have, we've, we opened in October and we've got customers now who are on their like third and fourth visit because they're just like, oh, it really does change every week. And you're like, yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Uh, it's not just a marketing marketing ploy. And, um, and so like that's like the, the, best, the best proof that it, it is going well is that people are coming back, I think, uh, especially only being 18 seats. The fact that they're like hustling to get bookings is, is pretty good. 
You mentioned that you you work with your partner as well, who looks after the wine offering. What's it like managing the sort of relationship in and outside of the work and getting the best um, product out? Um, it's been pretty good for us so far. Um, touch wood, anyway. And um, no, she's really great. We we enjoy uh, seeing each other like succeed and do what we love and like to see her work on the floor and explaining the, the connection that the wine actually gives the food and how it elevates the food. It's, it's, um, it's pretty inspiring for me. It actually makes me want to be better every week so that it makes her job easier as well. And so, so I think we're quite lucky in that respect that we like to do it. We, we, we generally like spending all our time together, so it's not, not too stressful. You try and now focus on sustainability and using the whole beast. Do you have any sort of tips or advice on, on how to do that in a commercial setting? Uh, keep changing your menu, basically. Um, that's, that's sort of why we went down that route because um, so many people, you know, you're stuck. If you're doing like something for a month or for three months, you sort of get people get stuck with being like, okay, we need to serve duck breast or we need or it. You have like it's ribeye or whatever, whatever the cut is that you, you want to use for the cow. And it's sort of always been a question for me. I'm like, well, where's the rest of it? Who's like, what's getting done with that? Um, and so that's why we change so much. Like some weeks we'll do like, we'll serve four different cuts of beef, for example, like as we work through, cause you only get, so like when you have hanger and onglet and all, and those smaller cuts, you want you want to serve it in the best in its best light, so we'll just change and just um, that's probably the, the the biggest one for us is having that ability to be flexible because if you're not, you just as much as you want, you'll just end up, I guess, with a whole heap of preserved things and like garums and whatever, and and eventually like you'll run out of room, basically. So we're we're quite lucky we do our, make all our own charcuterie in-house as well so so we use that for our snacks uh, a lot and that really helped helps as well you've uh, opened your own restaurant at a time that's been challenging but it, but, but having real success with it what, what do you love about what you do uh, I really love like I think that connection that you you actually get with the diners the way that we're operating uh, is pretty cool like to see people who come they're quite maybe like I guess a bit reserved at the start and by like halfway through the meal, they're super engaged asking questions about like about the farms, about like, where does this like, Oh, we always thought like Wagyu was actually like a style of farming and you're like, no, no, it's a breed of cow. Like, or, or things it's, it's pretty, it's really cool to see like, and then to hear their stories um, like that they've had with food. I think, it's it's that connection that you get and seeing the happiness that people have. It's it's pretty cool. Well, Dylan, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a bit of your story. Um, good luck with the blue door. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Heath, for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. 
Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.